Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 24 of the Money Love Podcast. This is going to be the very last podcast episode of 2020. And part of me is rejoicing in that, and part of me just cannot believe that we have one week left of this year. And so when deciding on this week's topic, I thought that I would do an episode just talking about the financial lessons that 2020 has taught me or reinforced within me. Because there's absolutely no denying the fact that this year has been a challenging year, it's been an unusual year. But challenging times often can also bring with them extraordinary lessons. And I think that we have all learned so much this year, not even financial lessons, but just life lessons. So that is what I wanted to talk about in today's episode. I want to share with you the financial lessons that 2020 has taught me. And I think that a lot of these will probably resonate with you guys as well. I actually went on my Instagram this morning and asked you guys, hey, what's the biggest money lesson that 2020 has taught you? And there is a lot of overlap between what I'm going to be talking about in this episode today and what you guys told me was your biggest lesson of 2020. So I have narrowed this episode down to five lessons. I sat down, I started making a list, and the list actually started getting pretty long. But I went ahead and just capped it at five, the five lessons that have been the most profound to me, but that I think also are probably the most universal to us all. And I will say this, some of these lessons aren't new lessons to me. Some of these are concepts and practices that I previously thought were important. But if anything, 2020 has truly just solidified my belief in them and has strengthened my stance and how important I think that these things are and how necessary that they all are to our overall financial health. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm just going to jump right into it. So the first lesson, and this is the most obvious, this is the one that I would say 75% of you guys said as well when I pulled you on my Instagram and said, hey, what's your biggest lesson? Most of you said that this year has also taught you this same first lesson, which is that prioritizing savings and paying yourself first is one of the most important things that you can do for your overall financial health. And I want you to know that whenever somebody comes to me and they ask me like, hey, Paige, like, where do I need to start? What is the first step that I need to take on getting my financial journey started? My answer is always that you have to start saving and paying yourself first. Even before you start paying off debt, even before any of that, you have to start saving and developing the discipline of paying yourself first, which again, that means that you are putting money away for your future self. So preferably, you are saving a percentage of your income for long-term savings, but then you're also saving up a rainy day fund in a high-yield savings account that can be accessed easily if you need to access it. Now, I want to clearly differentiate between a rainy day fund 
and an emergency fund because they are separate, they are different. Some people think that they're the same, but they're not. Ideally, my recommendation is to get your financial situation to a point where you have both. Because again, they're both important and they both serve different purposes. However, what I'm mostly talking about in this first lesson is a rainy day fund. But let me spell out the difference between the two. An emergency fund is a pool of money that's going to be a lot smaller in size, and it's really just going to be used for that, for emergencies. Stuff that comes up that's urgent, that's important, that needs to be fixed or addressed right now that you need money for. I always say that this pool of money should be anywhere between probably three to $7,000. So what I always say is that if you are single, or married with no kids, shoot for three to $5,000. Once you start having kids, there's more people, there's more opportunities for emergencies to arrive. I even say if it's possible, beef that up to five to $7,000. But again, the purpose of your emergency fund is to cover emergencies. So my husband and I keep ours around $5,000. And you know, as an example, we had something a couple weeks ago happen in our house with our air conditioning unit that had to be fixed, that was a couple thousand dollars to fix. It was not a cheap repair. And so for that, we dipped into our emergency fund. Okay, so your emergency fund is to cover things like that. Your emergency fund is different and is separate from your rainy day fund. And your rainy day fund, again, is kind of what I'm mostly focused on with this first lesson. But your rainy day fund, the purpose of that is to live off of, should a rainy day scenario occur, which has happened to many of us this year in 2020. So the purpose of your rainy day fund is to live off of should you lose your income or your income is significantly reduced. So prior to 2020, what you would hear most people say is that you should shoot to have three to six months of expenses saved up in your rainy day fund. And what a lot of people do is they take that and they just stick with the three, right? They just go with the lowest possible number. So a lot of people who I talk to who do have a rainy day fund either have three months of expenses or they have a goal to save up three months of expenses. But I have always looked at that three-month number and thought it was kind of low. And by low, I mean time period low. Because when you think about it, I mean, I know we logically know this, but three months is 90 days. And 90 days goes pretty quick. I mean, I know it sounds like a long time, but living 90 days happens pretty quickly, especially 90 days where you don't have any money coming in. And even I think 2020 has shown us that even six months can go pretty quick. And even only having six months worth of expenses might not hack it, especially in an economic downturn. So I think the first lesson that 2020 taught me or just reinforced for me is that three to six months of a rainy day fund just honestly is not enough. If anything, we should be shooting for six to 12 months of expenses. Six months at the absolute minimum, but I say if it's possible, shoot for an entire year's worth of expenses saved up. And again, I understand that that's a big rainy day fund. That is a big pool of money for a lot of people. And I know that that's not going to get saved up overnight. And I'm not saying that you need to have it saved up overnight. But it's a goal that I feel that we can all work towards over the long term to get 12 months of expenses saved up. I think 2020 has shown us that it's needed, 
especially in a time like this. Because listen, it is one thing to lose your job and to lose your income when the economy is strong and it's booming and unemployment is really low and you could find another opportunity relatively quickly. But it's a whole nother story to lose your job in the midst of a global pandemic and an economic recession. And when there are millions upon millions of layoffs happening and companies are struggling and they are in hiring freezes, I mean, it could be months upon months, even close to a year before you find another paying opportunity. And so having a 12-month reserve to live off of is vital to making sure that you are protected in a situation like we've seen in 2020, which I know like 2020 seems like an outlier and good Lord, let's hope that it is. But y'all, this was the year that no one thought would happen, but it happened. I mean, I bet just a year ago, if you had talked to the average person or the average small business owner and asked them like, hey, are you financially prepared to be out of work for six months, eight months, nine months, an entire year? Or hey, is your business fiscally healthy enough to be shut down for six months? I think most people would have answered that question and said, no, but what's the likelihood of that actually happening? Like something like that would probably never happen. Like in what scenario would my business be shut down for six months? I mean, honestly, that's what I would have thought, but here we are. And so this is truly one of those scenarios where it's kind of like we have to hope for the best, but financially prepare for the worst. Because if you can do that, if you can hope for the best, but be prepared for absolute worst case scenario from a financial perspective, then what happens is that worst case financial scenario isn't actually that bad because you're prepared and you're covered. So that is my first lesson of 2020 is extending that rainy day fund. There's no harm to beefing up your savings. More is truly better in that scenario. So that's the first lesson. The next lesson that 2020 taught me is that it is so smart and almost nowadays necessary to have multiple streams of income. And I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this one because it's fairly obvious, but if you do not already have multiple streams of income, I would be going into 2021, I would just have my eyes and ears open and be looking for ways to establish other streams of income outside of your primary stream of income. And listen, this is going to look totally different person to person, situation to situation. Maybe you have a hobby that right now is just a hobby, but there's some way that you could actually monetize it. Maybe you can do coaching or consulting in an area that you're an expert. Maybe you can just pick up some things to do here and there, delivering food, dog walking, transcribing, being a virtual assistant for someone. I mean, gracious, there are so many options in 2020, especially with technology nowadays. But the point is, if you do not have multiple streams of income and you are entirely dependent, 100% dependent on one stream of income that we've seen could be taken from you in the blink of an eye, I would start to keep your eyes and ears open or get your brain working on solutions of how you can establish multiple streams of income going into 2021. Look for fun and challenging ways that you can do that in your spare time to make some extra cash. And here's why I'm such a fan of having multiple streams of income. 
One, because again, it never makes you totally and 100% reliant on one income stream. It gives you options. It gives you flexibility. And in the scenario that your main stream of income goes away, by you having other streams of income, it gives you leverage and it buys you more time. And the second reason I'm such a big fan of multiple streams of income is that it's going to help you expedite your progress towards financial goals. So let's just go back to number one. Let's just say you're like, okay, I want to save up a six-month rainy day fund. By you having multiple streams of income, you can just get to that goal that much faster. Maybe with your primary source of income, that's going to take you an entire year to do. But by introducing multiple streams of income, you could say, okay, I'm going to pick up multiple streams of income and all the extra income that I earn is going to go towards funding my rainy day fund. So now, instead of it taking me a year to save that up, now it's only going to take me eight months to save it up. So it gives you options, it gives you leverage, it buys you time, and when things are good and you have all of your income streams working and flowing in, it allows you to hit your financial goals that much faster. So that is number two. And listen, I am not here. I am not the person to tell you what your multiple streams of income should be. I am not here to answer that question for you, okay? I want you to answer that question for yourself and know that you have the answers. Get creative. Tap into your inner wisdom and answer that question for yourself. Ask yourself, what is the unique value that I provide into the world and how can I start making money from that? You are smart enough and you are resourceful enough to answer that question for yourself. I believe that. All right, so going into 2021, I would definitely make that a priority is to start establishing those multiple income streams. So that's the second. The third lesson that 2020 has taught me, which this is kind of a unique one, this is one that I didn't see coming when the year started, but it's the lesson that sometimes the most advantageous time to invest and to take financial risks is when uncertainty is at its highest. So this one seems very counterintuitive because logically, we think that when risk and uncertainty is high, that that is the worst time to invest and to take chances and calculated risk with our money. But when we can go back to the first two lessons, when we can establish a savings to fall back on, And when we're not entirely dependent on a single income stream that ultimately we don't have control over, then at that point, we can be a lot more risky and take more chances with our money when uncertainty is high. Because when uncertainty is high and you make investments, you have the possibility to earn much larger returns than what we're used to during normal average times. So back in March, when the world shut down. And in response to the world shutting down and uncertainty and risk being really high, the stock market crashed. And when this happened, my husband and I decided to take some calculated risks with our money. So we were watching stocks of these huge companies plummet to, you know, 20 to 30 to 50% of where they were at the start of the year. These were shares of companies in industries that were hit really hard by the pandemic. So airlines, cruises, things like that. But then there were also stocks of other companies that started to soar 
due to their need or their presence within the global pandemic. So companies and stocks like Zoom, Slack, Peloton, those types of companies. And so what we decided to do was we decided to take a sum of money and invest that money into a variety of different stocks. Now, this is money that previous to the pandemic, it probably wouldn't have made a lot of sense for us to invest it because it was almost better for us just to have it at that point. But I will tell you, of course, when we were contemplating doing this, our brains absolutely freaked out. I mean, like I said, the world was shutting down and we weren't sure what was going to happen with our jobs. And at first we were like, well, okay, of course we need to keep this money. It needs to stay with us. What if something happens? What if we need it for something? But because we had lessons one and two done, because we had worked really hard to be really prepared and we had put ourselves in a position where we could be a little riskier with our money and we had some cash on hand to invest, we jumped on that opportunity to do so. Now, I do want to say these are longer term investments. We do not plan on cashing any of these investments out anytime soon. But every single stock that we bought is up. Some are up by 30%, some are up by 600%. But the point is, is that they're all up. And the returns that we have seen from this investment are so much higher than anything that you can expect during normal times, right? So average return during normal times are probably 7 to 10% annually. And like I said, we're seeing returns so far of anywhere from 30 to 600% at the highest. So I just want to give you guys some examples because this is always just something really good to know and keep in mind. I'm going to walk you through three stocks. And again, these are not stocks that we bought. These are just popular ones that I've seen go up. And I just want to walk you through kind of what this has looked like in 2020. So I did the math on three stocks, Zoom, Peloton, and Delta Airlines. So at the beginning of April, all of these prices, stock prices that I'm going to be telling you is as of the beginning of April. So if you kind of recall, everything kind of started shutting down mid-March. So I looked at April 1st, what was the stock price of these shares? Because that was about two weeks after everything had kind of tanked. So at the beginning of April, Zoom was around $137 a share. Okay, so if you bought one share or stock of Zoom, you would pay around $137 for that. Today, a share of Zoom is $357. So that is a 161% increase. So even if you had just bought one share of Zoom for $137 at the beginning of April, that one share would be worth $357 today. You would have made $220. So that's Zoom. Peloton, let's look at Peloton. Man, Peloton. I wish I wish I had bought some stock in Peloton at the start of the year, but Peloton. So at the start of April, Peloton was around $28 a share. Today, a share of Peloton is $155 a share. So that is a whopping 454% increase. So if you had just bought, let's just say at the beginning of April, you had just bought five shares of Peloton. That would have been around $140. That $140 would be worth $775 today. So that's Peloton. And lastly, Delta. So the first two stocks are companies, like I said, where they have surged as a result of the pandemic. But then you had companies who were hit really hard 
by the pandemic. Like I said, airlines obviously are one of those companies. So I looked at Delta Airlines. So at the start of April, Delta was around $24 a share. And today it's around $40 a share. So that is a 67% return, which again, is not as much as Zoom or Peloton, but it is just another example to show you that the returns on an airline stock, which again, we know how hard the airlines have been hit, is still about 10 times more than the normal return. So I give you these numbers to show you that had you taken the risk to invest some money when uncertainty was really, really high, you would have experienced returns that are much higher than normal returns. There's actually a Warren Buffett saying where he says that it's best to be fearful when others are greedy, but to be greedy when others are fearful. And essentially what he's saying there is sometimes it pays off to take risks when other people are pulling back. He uses this strategy himself, Warren Buffett. What he does is he takes this approach when markets are down significantly. He amasses a ton of cash during the good times. And then what he does is he invests aggressively when the stocks plunge, which what that does is that enables him to ride that wave back up and earn returns that significantly outperform returns during normal times. And so having a lot of safe cash on hand allows him to do that. So that is definitely a lesson that was big for me this year. Like I said, I was really hesitant to make that investment, but I went ahead and just quieted all the drama that was going on in my brain. We made some investments that have paid off pretty significantly, being able to ride that wave back up of all these stocks that tanked. And so if you can, like I said, it definitely is beneficial to get yourself into a position where you have the foundation laid, where you are then able to take some of those calculated financial risks when times are really uncertain and a lot of people are really fearful. So that's the third lesson. The fourth lesson, really, I just kind of wrote, I wrote down, just break the rules. So with money especially, there's all these rules that we all think that we have to follow. We have to do everything in a certain order. We have to pay off our debt before we can invest. We have to follow all these rules that, you know, somewhere someone just told us. But I think 2020 has showed us that sometimes you just got to break the rules. Sometimes the only rule that really needs to be followed is I'm going to do what I have to do right now to get by, or I'm going to do what feels most aligned for me right now. So for some of you, that meant to stop paying your student loans and instead use this time to build up your savings, to build up your cash reserves. Or instead of paying off your student loans, you took that money and you invested it because that money would have gotten farther, like we talked about, being invested than you paying off your student loans with 0% interest. Some of you took this time to pay off your student loans because of the 0% interest, and you wanted to make more progress on your loans than you're usually able to do. So I say, do it. Some of you decided to pull money out of your 401k penalty-free because that's what you needed to do. So it's like, do it. I think what I'm trying to say on this one is sometimes it's okay to just break the rules and just do what's best for you. 
I always say make whatever decision that you want to make, just like your reason for it. And if you have a good reason and you like your reasons for the decisions that you're making, then go out and break the traditional money rules. Like so often I hear like, well, I thought that I wasn't supposed to do that or I thought that I couldn't do that. But the amazing thing is, is that we can make whatever choices and decisions that we want, especially with money. If it works best for us and if it aligns with our unique situation, then go out and do it. And you know what? If you are breaking the quote unquote money rules, the rules that you think that you have to follow, sometimes it's okay. Sometimes the best rule to follow is just the rule of I'm going to do what's best for me right now, whatever that looks like. So that was the fourth lesson is that sometimes it's totally fine to break the money rules. And the fifth and final lesson that 2020 taught me, which I have even done a podcast episode on this, so it's like I know this, but again, if anything, 2020 has just reinforced this for me, is that impulse purchases do not fix things. (laughs) They don't fix things. They don't make your life better. They don't make you happier. 2020 has been the year of online shopping. Yes, in part because it's just safer for us to do it that way, but I'm not talking about buying our groceries online or the things that you could get at the store, right? You're like, okay, well, instead of going to Target to get this, I'm just going to order it off Amazon. I'm not talking about those types of purchases. I'm talking about the impulse buys and the impulse purchases that we made this year in an attempt to make us feel better. The purchases that we made when we were feeling bored or isolated, or sad, or anxious. And so we thought that buying a new top that we didn't even have anywhere to wear it, or a new beauty gadget that was going to be used two times, but now is just sitting under our bathroom sink, we thought that those things were going to fix us, to make us feel better, to make the negative emotion go away. And I think now that we're at the end of 2020, we can absolutely see that it didn't. Impulse purchases rarely stand the test of time, meaning that they rarely turn out to be really good purchases and really good uses of our money. Sometimes it happens, but usually they're not. Typically, we are never in financial integrity with ourselves when we are impulsively spending money. And listen, I am guilty of this as well in 2020. I will raise my hand, be the first to say that I caught myself just mindlessly scrolling the web or clicking on an Instagram ad for something that took me down a rabbit hole. And before you knew it, I had spent $100 on something that I just you know, had to have, quote unquote. I think we've all had a lot of feelings this year, a lot of negative emotion from the year that was 2020 in a way that a lot of us have coped with that negative emotion is through shopping and through spending money on things that we don't need. And honestly, at the end of the day, don't really want. We're just entertaining ourselves with spending money. And I've said this in a past episode. This is from episode eight, the episode all about how to stop impulse spending. But I said it there and I'll say it here. It is not our money's job to give us a dopamine hit. It's not our money's job to entertain us. 
That is our life's job, going out and living a life of purpose and of contribution. That is where I want to be getting my dopamine from and my accomplishments from and my purpose from, not from being on social media for six hours a day and mindlessly shopping and spending money that I didn't plan to spend on things that I don't really need. Again, that is the last and final big lesson for me this year is that the impulse purchases, the impulse buys, spending money, as much as we want to think it's going to change our emotional state, as much as we want to think it's going to make us feel better, I always say it's like eating the sleeve of Oreos, right? Feels really good while you're doing it. Your brain gets that dopamine hit, but then it wears off and you crash. And then you're left with a bunch of junk and clutter that you don't really need. And like I say in episode eight, it's kind of like I'd rather have my money back than have this item. So that is the fifth and final lesson. So I'm just going to recap all of these lessons, one through five. So again, the first is just to beef up that rainy day fund. Three to six months doesn't cut it anymore. It needs to be in the ballpark of six to 12 months. The second lesson is always be looking for opportunities and ways to establish multiple streams of income. It gives you more options, it gives you more leverage, and it allows you to hit your financial goals faster. The third is that when you have established a strong, solid financial foundation for yourself, you can take financial risks in times of uncertainty to reap the rewards of the higher returns that that uncertainty brings. Number four is that sometimes it's totally okay to break the rules and just do what you have to do and do what works best for you. And number five is that impulse buys do not fix things. (laughs) They don't make you feel better. They don't make you feel happier. If anything, it's just a form of buffering. And ultimately, you end up feeling worse after the fact than you did before you impulsively spent the money. So those are my five top financial lessons that 2020 has taught me. I hope that some of these have resonated with you, but ultimately, I do encourage you just to take some time to sit down and really jot down for you what were the lessons, the financial lessons that 2020 taught you. What are the things that you want to remember moving forward, going into next year that are going to help you improve your finances, that are just going to help you overall be a better person? I always love this time of year, just really kind of getting to slow down a little bit, take this week to slow things down and reflect on the past 365 days and just intentionally absorb those lessons that this past year has taught us. And good Lord, there have been, (laughs) there's been a lot in 2020, like I said, not only financial lessons, but just life lessons as well. So that is what I have for you in this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. When you're back listening to me next week, next Tuesday, it's going to be 2021. And in next week's episode, what we're going to be talking about is setting impossible money goals for 2021. I'm actually going to be sharing my impossible money goal with you in 2021 for my business, but I hope that you will tune into that and I will see you next Tuesday and I will see you in 2021. Have an amazing week, an awesome new year. I love you. See you next Tuesday. Hey girl, 
If you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in Overcoming Overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled, purposeful, and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.